Today we are concluding our three-part sermon series called The Trinity in Me. So over the past several weeks, we have talked about what it means to be created in the image of God. Last week, we talked about what it means to cultivate the mind of Christ. And today, Pastor Gary is going to come and offer us some words about what it means to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we prepare for that message, he's invited us to turn to the letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 5. I'll be reading verses 15 through 20, so you can follow along on the screens above me or in your Bibles. As always, if you do not have a copy of our Holy Bible for your own, you're welcome to take one home with you. We have several on our bookshelf over here in that direction. If you would like to take one home, please do as a gift so that you can pray and study with it throughout the week. Hear now the word of God. Be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Amy. So we finish up our sermon series titled The Trinity in Me as we look at the third part of the Trinity. As we've talked about God the Father, God the Son, and now God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, I would have to say in 30 years of doing this, I don't know that I've ever preached a sermon just about the third part of the Trinity, just about the Holy Spirit. I've done sermons about the Trinity and the creative nature of God and those kind of things. But to actually just take this part and talk about it and, and discuss it a little bit has not been something that I've ever done. So, with that said, I'm probably going to make a few mistakes along the way. You may hear something and go, I don't know about that. That's okay. That's the same thing I do every Sunday. I'm not real sure about that. So, years ago, I had the opportunity to serve on a team uh, as, as candidates went through the ordination process uh, when I was serving up in Amarillo on the Board of Ordained Ministry. And, and as we spent an entire day asking questions, uh, when you go through that process, it's about a six or eight hour long long, long process, and you ask lots of questions, and uh, we got to the end of it, and the person that we were interviewing asked us a question. They said, can, can, can I ask you all a question? I said, yeah, and they said, so here was the question. Are you filled with the Spirit? And I had to think for a second, and so I turned to the person next to me who had all the experience, and I said, you're up. You answer the question. <laughs> and she looked at me, and she just said, uh, yeah, I think so. I said, well, maybe a hard yes would have been better, but, but, but what is it, when you hear those words, what do they actually mean? What, is it, what does that statement mean? Are you filled with the Spirit? Does it mean I've been baptized? Well, that's probably, probably part of it. Does, it. does it mean that I've had a great experience somewhere earlier in my life, and so I've had this indwelling of the Spirit? Well, maybe. But there seems to be a problem with this understanding of God's spirit in our culture that we live in today. Uh, 
Because when you start uttering the words that say, well, God said to me, people sometimes get a little cynical, just to say the least. And they can roll their eyes and become very skeptical. And even I can be that way sometimes because I want to know, are we talking about God's spirit? Which God are we talking about has spoke to you? Are you talking about the Trinity? The same God that we worship on Sunday, is that the one? For some church people, they've never even contemplated what it means to live and allow the Holy Spirit to live within them. For others, they get this concept pretty regularly. For some, they've had some kind of connection with the Spirit of God. Whatever the case, we often don't talk much. We often don't ever talk about the Holy Spirit in the Methodist church for some reason. I wonder why. Are we afraid? I don't know. Are we worried that God's Spirit might actually do something on Sunday morning? What would that look like? Yep, it's already starting. And here's what makes it, what makes it even worse. I was serving in a community of believers years ago. You pick which town is your least favorite that you've ever lived in. Use that in your mind. Put that in your mind. There was a pastor in town who was trying to tell us that he heard from God. So I pressed further with a few questions. What exactly did God sound like when God spoke to you? What did God say? How can you be sure God was talking to you? As he was telling me his experience, he said, he pointed to this three foot by three foot by three foot cube made of glass with gold ornate legs on it with a lid full of money. And I said, what is that? He, inside there was quarters, dimes, dollars, U.S. banknotes. Here's the way our conversation went. I said, Whose money is this? And he looked at me and he said, God's money. And I said, really? I said, do you think God would, would be okay if I just borrowed a little bit of his money? I said, what are you going to do with the money? We don't know. God hasn't told me just yet. I said, when do you expect the spirit to tell you what to do with the money? I don't know. I said, how long have you been collecting this money? I said, you know, we do have banks here in town. Well, I've been collecting it for more than two years, but I'm waiting. I said, now, what's your address again? These kind of encounters oftentimes can make us a little leery about folks who say, I've heard from God. But I'm almost sure that I bet you the same Holy Spirit that we're talking about probably didn't tell him to take that money and hang on to it. Secondly, if God really needed the money, I think God could just print some money. God's a little bit bigger than that. These episodes can make us leery of the Holy Spirit. If you remember years ago, there was a movie called Leap of Faith that starred Steve Martin, where he had a thing in his ear and someone was, and he'd say, somebody here, and they would go on. I'm not making light of those kind of things because they do happen, but it was interesting that we often can become very skeptical when people say, I heard from God. The Spirit told me to do something. Now, I say that because oftentimes I feel like God does that in my life. Today's scripture poses a question, one that gives us hope. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? First, the Holy Spirit, not the Spirit of Jesus, is one part of the Trinity. Or, as Tertullian said, the Trinitas in Latin. The Holy Spirit is God here on earth. 
The voice of reason that speaks into chaos. The voice of peace that arises when war seems to break out. The spirit that urges us to move into action when things are hurting. Like we saw people when the tornado came through town. And how people just jumped up and started helping. The voice that slows us down when we want to get in too big of a hurry to act. One of the first places in the New Testament that discusses the work of God's Spirit is in John chapter 14. Jesus considered this teaching so important that he devoted much time to it right before he passed. When we hear of spiritual filledness, we think oftentimes of maybe this inner peace that we have or this power that God has placed within us. And that may indeed be a result. Jesus, however, spoke of the Holy Spirit primarily as the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth who will remind you of everything I have said from John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Making it known to you, John 16, 14. Making it known in the Greek really means a momentous, annou- a momentous announcement that rivets our attention. The Holy Spirit's task is to unfold the meaning of Jesus' person and work to believers in such a way that the glory of it, its infinite importance and beauty, is brought home to mind and heart. This is why earlier in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul can pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that we could grasp the width and the length and the depth of God's love. So that we could understand it. The Holy Spirit's ministry to take truths about Jesus and make them clear to our hearts and our minds. So real that they console and empower and change us at our very core. As one writer said, to be filled with the Spirit then is this, to live a life of joy. Sometimes quiet, sometimes boisterous. Truths about God's glory and his work are not just believed with the mind, but they create an inner music that connects with our spirit. Another passage that we look at is the one from this morning, from Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled. To be filled. And then it says, speaking one another with psalms, hymns, and songs, as we are joyful about what God is doing. To be filled. The scripture literally, there are three different terms the term is pleiru in Greek, but it can be looked at it three different ways. One of the ways that it looks at is this idea that it's kind of like pressure. It's like the wind that pushes a boat across the, the water, the, the, the wind as it pushes. And it describes this as the sails of a ship are, are moving it and that we are called to be obedient. Or it's kind of like when I was a kid, we used to go to this creek behind our house and you'd throw a stick in the creek and then you'd run down here and you'd, you'd want to see when it's coming to you. And the spirit literally would move it and you never knew where it was going. And that movement in our lives is oftentimes as God's spirit works, we don't really know exactly what is taking place. So that's, that's one way the word play root can be defined. Another way the word play root can be defined is this of permeation, of permeation. When we were younger, we would watch TV and there was a commercial on TV and it would say, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. And they would take two Alka-Seltzers and put them in the water, you remember, and it would go, and the water would change and it tasted so lovely. (laughs) It was just incredible. But that's the idea of the permeation of how it it filters through everything and it literally changes uh, what's taking place. There's still another way that play root can be described 
And that's mostly the way it's described in the New Testament. In Luke 5.26, it's this idea of domination. In other words, this total control in our lives. That God's Spirit lives within us, that God's Spirit controls the Holy Spirit. Everything that has taken place. In Luke 5.26, after Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and healed the paralytic, they were filled with fear. It permeated and it filled and it was a control of domination. In Luke 6.11, when Jesus restored a man's hand on the Sabbath, the scribes and Pharisees were filled with rage. They had this complete, total control of rage in their lives. Most people can balance their emotions from day to day. But there are times when the emotional balance is tipped from one end to the other. Like when you go to a wedding or when you're at the funeral of a loved one and the, the power of the moment just overtakes you. For me, it's understanding this morning when I got up and I got a text that said, today is your sister's birthday. Don't forget to tell her happy birthday from my brother. To which I said, I told her last night I'm ahead of you. <laughs> June the 2nd, 1970. It's an emotional event when we adopted my sister. In our spiritual lives, we're commanded to yield to the total control of the Holy Spirit. Many have experienced a moment in their lives. Maybe it was at a, at a youth retreat camp, or maybe it was on a walk to Emmaus, or maybe a Kairos in a prison, where you've experienced the filling of God's Spirit. For some, it may be in a particular worship service, where the music has spoken to your lives or the events have, that are taking place. Still others have felt Christ especially present when maybe they're up on a mountaintop or they go out in the morning and they see the sun come up. But there are those moments of domination where the Spirit completely feels. I have felt this when preaching on a Sunday morning. I have felt this during prayer time. I have felt this many times. And for me, when I feel that, it's the... Hair right back here just kind of goes up a little bit. I don't know why. It just happens. The filling of the Holy Spirit. Whatever the circumstances, they can be life-changing. We can look back on those conversations or those, those events and see them as renewal in our lives. And we may, be filled, we may be called to go and do something because of those events that have taken place in our lives. You see, John Wesley had these same kind of experiences. In fact, one of the places he had this experience was at a place named Aldersgate on May the 24th, 1738. The church was named after him, after Aldersgate. And it was a movement of God's spirit in his life. It was known as the Aldersgate experience. His journal says this, In the evening I went very unwilling, very unwillingly to church at Aldersgate, where one read Martin Luther's preface, the words Martin Luther wrote about the book of Romans, and about a quarter before nine in the evening, while he was describing the change which God works in someone's heart through faith in Christ, he said these famous words, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ and Christ alone for salvation and an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins. John's brother, Charles, had the same kind of events happen in his life. In 1736, he was with the Moravians. And in 1738, Charles fell ill, and still there were other events. And literally three days before John passes away, Charles Wesley has a special encounter on Pentecost Sunday, 
1738. Something amazing happened between visits from my brother, Charles says, and the doctor and those who were taking care of him. I had a personal encounter with God's spirit. In his journal entry for that day, he said, a strange palpitation of my heart that caused me to say, I believe, I believe. I now found myself at peace with God and I rejoice in the hope of loving Christ. As Methodists, we believe that we are baptized. When we are baptized, we receive God's spirit into our lives. The Holy Spirit lives within us and gives us direction. Still for others, we have maybe had some kind of experience that would be considered spiritual growth after our baptism. Wesley often called those second blessings. I believe they would be known as times when God's spirit filled in our lives. So are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Or are you being filled with God's spirit? How do you know? How do you know? Usually when God's spirit is working in your life, one thing that usually always happens is conviction. Usually there's this thing of, yeah, you're going this way, but you've missed the mark and we really would like for you to go this way. The term is conviction, but it's really talking about giving direction and guidance in our life. Literally, the word for sin means to miss the mark. And God's Spirit says, you missed the mark, so let's go over this way a little bit. Another thing that happens when God's Spirit is working in your life is there's usually some kind of transformation. I would suspect that if there's not much transformation happening, there's not much of God's Spirit working in you. I don't know that. But usually transformation takes place. We become different people. This voice speaks into our lives. I remember as a kid, I used to say, I would do something and my mom would say, that's wrong. Don't do that. She said, you're listening to the wrong voice. And I said, well, I have this one voice that tells me all the right things. And I said, I have this other voice that tells me all the wrong things. And I never know which one to listen to. She said, yeah, you do. It's this one over here. Listen to. So transformation happens. Thirdly, Assurance of salvation happens when God's spirit is working in our lives. You are reminded that you have salvation and you have eternity with Christ. Finally, what's interesting, what the scripture talks about is it's amazing how much music plays into what God does in our lives. And it helps transform who we are. You'll get a song in your mind and it'll stay there for weeks and weeks and weeks In the early service, it was a song, Holy, 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 as we sang it as an entire congregation. Holy, holy, holy. You'll never get that out, at least for another hour or two. It might be the not on right key and all that stuff, but 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 these 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 music is just transformative. When we hear freedom and we hear the different songs the band does, it's amazing how they transform who we are and how powerful music. It says, be filled with the spirit and in the sing songs. It's amazing. People who are filled with God's spirit are often folks who love to sing. Scripture says it doesn't, doesn't say, it says make a joyful noise because usually when I make a sound, when I sing, it's a noise. So how do we live today and stay in tune with God's spirit? We begin by preparing our hearts. It's true of us. While God can come to us at any time, in any place, we have to be receptive and ready to receive. We have to long to hear from God. It's good to follow the examples of John and Charles who prayed and studied and sang and sought counsel from others. We can't always control when God's going to move and when the Spirit's going to come. 
It comes at all unexpected times, but we can be ready. And then secondly, just recognize when God's spirit is doing something. Just having those spiritual blinders up and recognizing something's going on here. God's spirit is doing something here among us. One time I was headed to Corpus, to the coast, to see my brother who lived down there. And I was driving. I was by myself. The kids were with her mother. And I was headed south. And I got to Junction, Texas in the, in the night. It's raining, big storm, and I got completely lost. I got turned around. It was the days where all I had sitting in my lap was this big map. No cell phone, no GPS for all of you. I just had a map. And I was going around in circles, and I was completely lost. I found a parking lot, and I pulled over in the parking lot and just sat there and just cried because I, did, I was lost. I didn't know what I was going to do. It's about 11 or 12 o'clock at night. It's dark. It's a thunderstorm. It's rain, and I'm lost. And as I'm crying, I hear this on my car window. And I turn, and there's the local policeman. And he says, roll down your window. And so I did, and in my tears, I said, I don't know where I'm at. And he said, well, I can tell you. He said, do you see that light right there? And I said, yes. He said, if you'll go to that light and turn right, and don't stop till you get to the interstate. You'll be home. You'll get on the interstate 10, and you'll head into. I said, oh, thank you. Thank you. May not have been a move of God's spirit. But it was in my life. It was a moment that I'll never forget where I was completely lost. And now I was found. I was completely gone. And here comes God's spirit in some miraculous way in my life and gave direction. It's God that got me home. I had not suffered beyond what I could not bear. God performed a miracle for me. You would think after that experience, I would never have any more doubts. Not true. Well, we always want to explain away something that happens instead of allowing God to take the credit. But God does miraculous things. We just need to recognize when God does that. If you were honest with yourself, you'd say that you need this kind of experience too. It's a reminder that the Holy Spirit continuously works in our lives if we would just recognize what God is doing. So, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And how do you know? And are you being filled and serving in this place and in days ahead and days to come? May you keep your eyes and your ears open and recognize when God's Spirit is doing something and stirring the water in the midst. Let's pray. Eternal God, as we seek to follow you in all things, as we understand, as you're, we never know where the Spirit will come and where the Spirit will go. But we know we need to be ready. And we need to be receptors. And then we need to recognize that you're doing something incredible in our lives. For each of us this morning, speak into our hearts. If there's a place where we need to be convicted, do that. If there's a place where we need to be loved, do that. Heal our hearts. Work in our lives this morning. That we may serve you in an incredible way here at Aldersgate United Methodist Church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.